Now, did you always plan when you were married that, you know, the Herefords and, and the Simitals would unite and you'd always have both breeds? Or did you ever consider just just sticking with one breed and, and trying to, to go down that one road? Or, or did you always have the understanding that Juanita was going to bring some Simitals into the operation, you were going to continue with the Herefords, and that was just the right path for you? I'm waiting for this answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. We, you might have to edit this one out, Wendy, a little bit, but uh, when the Semitals come here, it was a bit of a struggle for me to get on board for a while. Kind of not that I, not that I was diehard Herford by any means, just, just agreed that I wasn't in love with at the time. And we run our cows pretty hard here, just just to be clear with everybody. We don't have enough land, we don't have enough facility, and it just sometimes a Herford cow can do a little better, but. Those were traditional Herefords, and I'm not going to, or traditional Semitals at the time, and they were good cattle. Uh, but the first year of marriage, I think we both decided we'd try a little shot of red Semitol on these on these full blood cows, and never look back from there. And now we love our Herefords, and most of the Hereford thing is a lot with my parents. Uh, the Semitol thing is, I think if you if if you want to ask what our favorite breed is, there's certainly no question now what our favorite breed is. It's a uh, Semitol through and through, but we're, the herb has been so good to us, and we have a great market buildup that it's kind of hard to to uh, not continue with them, especially internationally. We probably have more. So let's talk a little bit about time in the show ring. Uh, you've been to many, many cattle shows over the years. Do you have a favorite place to exhibit cattle, and why? I'll go first. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I have a good answer. I think we need a, has a different answer. I I still think maybe the Royal Winter Fair for me is my favorite place to show cattle. Probably that being in that ring and I've judged that show and I've shown that show. There probably is no better atmosphere. And I know they're not all cattle people in the stands watching it, but the people in the stands are so close to the ring. There's always a bit of energy in the stands, and the stands are always full. And you're also right in your hometown where you're going to see a lot of your potential customers or ex-customers. And the vibe in, the vibe in the show running in the Toronto is probably, is probably unmatched for sure. The only other one, I, and I just remember that one now, I was lucky enough to go over to uh, Argentina to that show at Palermo. Mm -hmm. And that one actually would, you know, might trump the Toronto world for atmosphere. So that would be the only, that'd be the only one that would compare we go to a bunch of those American shows, and the, and the uh, facilities are great, and and the uh, uh, professionalism is great, and the cattle are great. But I still think Toronto would be my my favorite one that I've exhibited at, and that show in Argentina I can recommend it highly for anyone who wants to go for a trip. It, it, it'll get your blood, blood pumping for sure. So, so when he does, it is going to be. Well, I might have three. I like Houston, uh, Fort Worth, and Denver. Oh, it's pretty cool. Those old barns and I don't know, it just seems a lot of heritage when you walk through the like Denver the, through the yards and stuff like that. It's just kind of, I, kind of different from here. And, and it's just so tough <laughs> when we go to exhibit there. So I don't know. It's just uh, different from here, maybe. That's why I like them. Right nostalgia for sure and and if those walls could talk the amount of champions that have went through that are owned by 
some of the best breeders in the world. It certainly um, is, is, you know, you have a, have a right to have that opinion as well. And, and Billy, I think we've talked here in our, our household about the Royal and, and there's just something about that atmosphere. When you walk through those doors and, and you're back there, you know, we only get a chance to go once a year, but it, um, it certainly is something about where we've come from and, and, the prestige of being in Toronto is, is it's still an honor for our family. And, and I think you probably would agree with that as well. How many shows would you attend in a year on a, in a normal time prior to COVID? Um, I think we used to be around 25 when we first got married and we were going strong and there'd be a, you know, we go to two or three shows on a weekend. I'd say lately we backed off some of the smaller ones and, we're probably down to, if you count junior shows, we're still in the neighborhood of 15, probably not, not COVID era, but the years before COVID would be yeah. 15, 17, 18. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Wow. Or not enough. I'm not sure which. <laughs> what about your biggest win to date? Can, can you peg that? Um, well, the millennial year in Toronto, we had both Supremes, I guess. That would be awful hard to top that one. So in 2000, we had they only had a Supreme for that one particular year, and we had Supreme Champion Bull and Supreme Champion Female. So that would be, I'd say, right there at the top of things. I think we had a couple of good days in Denver. I mean, when you're in a when you're a small fish in a big pond, and you can come out of there with a two or three class winners and a couple of division champions. So you know, I think 2000 and 2001, we were. Those were great days in Denver too. So I'd say those, those would be my picks. We need to get Oh, and the last role when Katie, our daughter, had she kind of swept the junior heifer show me and Supreme Showman heifer. That was that was a pretty exciting day too. For sure. Now back to those those wins that were one of the biggest. Was was that with your Simital cattle or your Hereford cattle or both? Well, that was Al Hereford actually. Hereford. Okay. Yeah, Al Hereford. Great. So. great. So another tough question, a favorite cow or bull that you've bred and, or purchased? Can you, can you write that name down? Do you know who you would say? I came pretty quick. And right now she's on top of the symbol of the world. There's a cow called Darlin that uh, she won the Royal in I don't know, 2018 or so. And then in recent years, she's absolutely dominated sales and shows across Canada too. Had a son about 280,000 last year at Friday Night Lights. And I think there's a heifer calf of hers at 62 and another one at 45, another one at 35 and 32. So so we were fortunate enough to breed her and and sell her in our sale and, and to good people there at Erickson's and, and Majors. And they've done a tremendous job with her since. So I would say that female would be my favorite female of all time right now. And we need Winita to shake. Would, was Winita agree, agreeing with you? Oh, she's definitely a favorite cow, yeah. Yep. Favorite bulls, i probably, my Sandman and Boom Shakalaka. Great. Well, congratulations to you then. Well, that's no small feat to breed an, an animal, whether it's a female or a bull, to have, you know, those accolades. So, so congratulations and celebrate those things as they come for sure. Let's talk a little bit about your sales. Uh, you have two per year, uh, one in the spring, which is this Saturday, um, and then a fall sale as well. What made you build your own facility and want to have a sale on your on your own farm? 
Wow. I guess I've always wanted to have one sales. We, we've been fortunate over the years to be consigners and some pretty good sales, especially in the Herefords. And I know when he is family were instrumental in getting the Ottawa Valley sale together years ago. But we, were, we used to sell Herford cow with the Reeves of Clinton at the Thanksgiving Barrow sale. And, you know, when you're a young, young lad, you watch some of that stuff. And then Dave has to invite us into his Herford sale in Guelph there. And actually, Dave uh, was in Red Angus at the time. And we had two or three sales there. And when they were just getting, having the last sale that was at Dave's place, he said to me, he said, well, I'm not having a sale next year. And I said, oh, well, my eyes got big. And I kind of started to screw my bit. So I said, well, who's having a sale? Well, you are. I said, oh, is that right? So that was basically the beginning of the sale barn wasn't built for 20 years after that. But we built a show barn that worked for a sale, sale barn. And then as time went on, and actually, when did we have, we have a spring sale and two fall female sales. So we have a herpet sale and a semithal sale. So with that being said, it got to be too much work to tear the show barn down and not be able to use the show barn for two or three weeks and then put it back together. So we just, and we also needed a place to store equipment and have a bit of a shop for my blossoming mechanic and my son. So I guess I must be five years ago. We decided we better step up and, and put a sale barn up and it's kind of a multi-purpose barn but it certainly is uh, it's been a wonderful addition to the place so. great so when you're planning these sales what makes you lose sleep at night when you're hosting a sale can you is there Tell one me. thing that makes you lose sleep well background chatter here is about me selling into too many good ones and digging in too deep i think that's when he is biggest biggest fear uh, mine is just making sure I covered all the bases. Uh, Cal, it, because we're in marketing a little bit too, I mean, you, Cal, are, you can be the best one in the world, but if people don't know about it, it's no good to you. I mean, so, I mean, the number of phone calls and texts and Facebook posts and advertising and, you know, visits we make, as, as sale time approaches and as you gear up for that, you know, you always have to be reaching out to find potential customers, old customers or new customers. And I personally like to find new customers, uh, you know, every every time I can. So that's where I probably lose my sleep, making sure I have all my bases covered, you know. Right. Well, communication is key, that's for sure. So when you're putting um, cattle in your sale, do you offer to the new owners an opportunity to manage the cattle if they they wouldn't have the skill set or know-how or just don't have the desire and want to leave these animals in the care of the professionals? Is that something that you offer? Yeah, we, we do. We've done that for a long time, actually. And it's been great for, for people that maybe are smaller farmers or, like you said, don't have the skill set to, to exhibit Think about Ontario people that are involved in the in the purebred beef industry. These these summer shows and fall shows are they're the social aspect of their lives that are hard to top. I mean, we all like cow people. Most cow people we run across are great people. So the opportunity to visit with them on weekends at shows and stuff is a, if you're new to the business is is usually pretty rewarding. So if someone wants to be part of that and they want to buy one here that's going to be competitive and they need a little more help getting it across, well. By all means, we, we've been doing that for a long time, and we actually look forward to those partnerships, and, and most times they've been, they've been pretty rewarding for both parties. That's great. Is it hard to sell cattle in sales when your family shows yourself? Is that, an, is that ever an issue? Well, it has to be, yeah. I mean, especially when we have 
uh, Katie in her prime of her 4-H career coming up here. But we do all – usually all for everyone that's good enough. I mean, the, the cost to get Cal Ray to show and exhibit, and, and we, as we all know, is, is increasing every year. So my model's always been if it's in the show barn, it's probably in the sale. And sometimes we sell pick, and sometimes we sell at half interest. But if if there's one that's good enough to be in our show barn, there's a really, really good chance – even with tears being shed from daughters or or boyfriends, girlfriends that don't want the thing to be sold, that if the people want that one in the sale, she'll be in the sale. So it is hard. It is hard. But we offer our best and hold nothing back. And and that's how you have to go move forward with building your customer base. And- So we left off talking about sale catalogs. Um, I think it's important for, you know, it's important skill for you both to be able to do that. I mean, my goodness, to be able to take control of that one piece and such an important piece with regards to putting, you know, catalogs together properly and making sure that there's no edits, making sure there's no typos, it's it's critical. And so to be able to do that and, and carry that responsibility amongst yourselves, that has to be a huge help. When we talk about mentors, I think we all have them. Can you and Juanita name your mentors? Yeah, there's probably a bunch, but I mean, I guess initially I'd go right to my dad. I mean, he's, I'd say he's one of the best cowmen I've ever known. And he's a man of few words, but when you, when you work side by side with a guy for 80 years, you, you do pick up a little bit of information from him. So he's always like, Cal that were you know attractive and and useful and didn't have a lot of use for Cal that didn't pull their weight so kind of have the same kind of philosophies there that that's maybe on the cow herd and the cow sense kind of thing I think people like uh, I've always admired people that could do everything I mean there's there's been great marketers in the world like I, I was around Whip Donaldson he was a great marketer and there's been some great fitters and some great feeders but there's guys like uh like a David Hassan that could feed them and, and show them and market them and, and breed them and clip them and do, do the whole thing. And, and I was fortunate to, to work with uh, Kevin Jensen judging the show. And I've always looked up to Kevin Jensen and he's another guy that can, can kind of do it all. I mean, he's just been a, he's a guy that's been really successful and as a fitter and as a breeder and as a marketer. So those are the kind of people I've looked up to. And I know maybe we need to probably share a few other ones. I think she's got a couple of names here too that, uh, that we all we look up to quite a bit so oh just when i was growing up my like like i said before my dad and i were learning together and he knew i always wanted to clip and he told me to pick up a lawn chair and just watch dave hassan clip and same swing he does with the little clippers but uh um i probably have this a lot of the same mentors as billy so we also we also helped um, Ned and Jan Ward in Wyoming a few years going to Denver and and uh, the, there's a couple of ten years old not us or thereabouts and have had huge success but we were we were there with them on the ground floor when they kind of just got going and oh we'll never we'll always look 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 up to them for the success they've had and they taught us a bunch of things and we had we had formed a good relationship there and are great friends now and. Remember the good days clipping cattle down in the in the barn with Ned and or running the blower Jan and just just talking cows. It's those are those are great people to look up to. So great. It sounds like some good mentors for sure. 
This is a tough question. If if you were back at the age of 18 again, what did would you give yourself? That is a tough question, isn't it? I'd say just because we're just talking about mentors is, is it depends what direction you want to be as an 18 year old kid. If you want to be a breeder of cattle or you want to win shows or be a combination, find someone that's experienced and not a, not a flash in the pan, but find an experienced breeder or experienced cattleman and try and, and get in with that person and, and learn from them. And, uh, that, that's the best. I mean, like I said, I was fortunate to work with my dad and, another old man like Lauren Pimmett, but those kind of people that have been there and done that and, and kind of went through the wars and, you know, they've, they've had success, but they've also had some, some trials and tribulations as well. So, I mean, I think if you're 18 years old and you can latch on to someone that's got a, a history of, of success behind them, that would be my advice. And I'm going to just branch it a little bit on that too, is don't settle for, for common. I mean, I hate to say it, but as Canadians, we are we typically are, are recognized as being pretty mediocre. And I think that's what maybe helps us in this caliber is we do not like mediocre and never have and never will. And if it's mediocre or, or, or common or plain or stale looking, that that to me is easy to do. I mean, if you want to make one that's big and rugged and, and heavy, well, that's easy. But if you want to make one that's elite in terms of quality and look, that was where it separates the men from the boys. And, and I think that's another thing I, I would like to pass on to the young, young breeders and, and young cattle people is make sure you know what quality is and don't settle for nothing, nothing but that. So. Good. Nice. Future goals and aspirations. Are you satisfied with where you're at or is there more that you want to do? I think if we were satisfied with where we're at, we'd be, pretty silly i think i mean you can, there's no we we use our some slogans in our in our uh, in our sales we're, we're the source for success is our herford sale and quality control is our, our simmental sale and your source for quality is our bull sale i mean we always try to improve the next generation so there's no chance that we're ever going to settle and we continue to scour the countryside to find the genetics that we think work for our program yeah certainly we'll never be happy until We'll, we'll just never be happy. You can't, you can't be, or happy, but you can't be content knowing you've got there because really you can never really get there because the, the, the industry is always evolving and the target's always moving a little bit. And I think that we'll always strive to try and chase that target. I guess one of our goals is we've never, we've been top 10 at the aggression and the Supreme thing a few times and be nice to crack one out there. I know that's, that's a bit of a, high high uh, target but at the same time you gotta reach for the stars and i've never shown a denver champion yet so i guess there's always time yet before i get crippled so <laughs> well it sounds like they're all a, a, attainable goals and and it's important to set that bar i mean what fun is it to get up in the morning if we don't have goals and and ambition to be better for sure do you predict any big changes coming in the beef industry in the future um it'll be challenging i think challenging i think we're competing against you know some of these other meat products that are you know rapidly evolving in the and these and in these non-meat products these non-proteins or these protein sources that aren't meat that are going to be challenging so i don't want to get too scientific on this but i think we're going to have to try and 
try and be efficient in terms of managing our, um, our emissions from, from producing beef. On the purebred side of things, I think we're going to have to be uh, pretty aggressive in, in terms of uh, genomics and, and DNA testing and also having data available for the upcoming generations. I think we all, we all recognize that the, the beef industry as a whole is an older generation. And I think the young people that are coming into it will probably be successful as long as they can understand that they need to use as much data and information as they can. I think, I think that's where we're, we as breeders are going to have to be, you know, pretty aggressive and, and make sure we have all the data they need to, to make the right, proper decisions breeding cattle. Fair enough, for sure. I want to talk a little bit about the event that you had at your farm last summer, the IRCC cattle battle. All I can say about that is, wow. I think as, as exhibitors who are lucky enough to participate in that event, to see the work and effort that you and your family had put into hosting such an event, just tell our listeners a little bit about the structure of the show that was held at your farm and uh, kind of what went on over the, the weekend in last August. Well, it was a great day. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that's being uh, arrogant to say that, but it was one of the... I, one of the best days I can remember having, even though I wasn't feeling great, but just the atmosphere there and the energy around that place was, I mean, it was contagious. It was, it was incredible the whole day. And it was inspired by just the fact that we're a show family and we love showing cattle. We love exhibiting cattle. We like, we like looking at good cattle and we like our, the kids to be involved. So when the, when COVID kind of put a damper on the fall shows, the summer shows and some of the junior shows early in the year, we thought it'd be an opportunity for us to, to host something like this and, you know, allow people to uh, get out and, and uh, show off what they've been doing, especially the youngsters that, you know, 4-H wasn't going too strong and there wasn't too many opportunities to get their calf out. And, that, and there's so much to be learned from, from young, young people uh, working on livestock in terms of responsibility and in terms of the commitment. So we decided, is, is, uh, you know, in a position we're in to be hopefully kind of leaders in the business, we'd offer this opportunity and boy, the response was outstanding. And then that, like I said, that day was pretty awesome. And, and all I thought we were lacking was just an opinion. So we decided to have junior, a junior show. And then what's pretty unique for Canada would be a ring A and a ring B, which is done quite a bit south of the border. And it just gives a, it, it gave everybody that day an opportunity to have two or three different opinions on their cattle. And then, and then an opportunity to take a picture and do some marketing. And, and more importantly than that, just, Socialize. Just camaraderie and socialize, and and probably the best part of the whole day was there's a bunch of youngsters running around, and our place is off the beaten path, and and not too many dangers around. And I mean, those kids, whether they knew each other when they got there, or when they didn't know each other, got there, there was just a mob of kids that were just having a blast, and it was just everybody was having a good time. It was there was no real stress on anybody. There was no real rules. But it was a highly competitive cattle show with some great, great cattle exhibited that day. And it was in a good and a good turnout and a great uh, crowd watching from near and far. So it was, uh, like I said, it was a day that I'll never forget anyways. Can you remind me how many cattle walked through the rings that day? We don't, we'll never know exact numbers on that, but uh, our entries were kind of 250 and then we weren't going to turn anybody away that day. There was just a couple of scratches. So I'd say 
I'm pretty sure in the junior show, we kind of count up in the neighborhood at 135, 140 kids showing in showmanship. And then the heifers, they had about that many or maybe a few more in a heifer show. And then when the open show got going in the afternoon, there was, I'd say there was 250, 260 strong. So, Well, it was a phenomenal day and, and you know, exhibitors sure got their bang for their buck. As you said, there was an opportunity to get different different opinions on your cattle and, and they were ready to show anyway. So it was pretty smooth walking from ring A to ring B and, and getting that second opinion. So um, we, we really appreciate it as an industry for what you stepped up to do. Is it something that you'd think you'd, you'd entertain again? Uh, we've been getting some pressure. Um, <laughs> uh, it depends. The fall fairs or the summer fairs are, are probably a go this year. So the dates... To have one would be maybe a challenge. Right. Um, never say never. I, I mean, it was it was nice to get back to an industry like that that day, and it felt. I mean, it was a feel good day for me for sure. Our whole fa- our whole family, and there was so many cool little parts like the jackpots and the and the, you know we had a special for our, our genetics and a special for boars and livestock genetics and those kind of things just add a little bit of hype to the day. So yeah. And, we're we've been thinking about it and trying to figure out how it would work and how to make it better and how to handle a bigger one in case that was a problem because our, we were pretty well maxed out but well uh, we'll we'll see we'll Time will wait, tell. Wait, wait wait and see yeah good stay tuned so we're pretty well to the end of of our podcast i i just like to take a minute and, and if if you and Juanita would like to talk a little bit about the sale that's happening this weekend and talk about some of the sale highlights um i think our listeners would would love to know you know what what's on the docket for saturday and and talk to us a little bit about what's going to go through your sale ring well i appreciate the opportunity wendy and uh this is our this is our commercial focus for the day so or for the year and and like my dad's told me a long time, the only reason they have purebred stock is to raise commercial bulls and, and bulls put back in the industry to give commercial breeders an opportunity to, to capitalize on the research and the genetic uh, progression we've made. So the main focus is the bull sale. We're going to sell three breeds bulls. We're going to sell Semithals as a, high, as a big group. And there'll be some Angus bulls and some Hereford bulls. And then we're going to have a handful of elite females. And one of those elite females would be, oh, a kind of a colored up Semethal heifer that was at the Ancaster show last weekend that was, uh, I think she was pretty well received. Uh, and she, was, she won the Semethal division in a really con- in a tough contested division as well. So she'd be one of the features for sure. And she, any, any kid that needs one that would be a killer showmanship heifer or just a heifer that could really go ahead and, and make a nice cow and, and do some good in the show ring, she's one of those. The bulls are just solid. We just got done semen tested and we got weights on them and we're, our homopole tests are coming back. And uh, we like to feature what our deal on the Semitol thing is, is bald-faced Cabernese bulls. And there's also some high-performing bulls. So we have a we have a big group of Cabernese bulls on the Semitol side and we have seven or eight uh, black baldy bulls. And and one of those good bulls is is probably the lead off, the 119J bulls, the County O son. And that County O bull's done a great job across the industry and, we sold a daughter by him last year to Black Gold Semitals in, in Alberta for thirty thousand, and and our, our lead up bulls just showed me by County O. And there's a there's a Blaze Face bull there that was, I think he would have been reserve champion at the Lindsay Show last fall, and uh, he's just a big whopping good kind of a bull that could 
either go cover a bunch of purebred cows and add some value that way or just uh, put some more pounds in the scales to go to the sale barn. So just a nice set of bulls to sell and a, and a bunch of, and also some Hereford heifers that are kind of targeted for Bonanza. Bonanza is the junior show coming up in Ontario this summer. So we've kind of dove into the top end of the heifer pen to add a few pieces that way. So it'd be a nice cross section. It's a nice day. It's uh, again, low key. The bulls are outside. We just run through a video on a video screen. I think when he's been making up some chili and cookies and it's kind of a hot tie, it'd be great. And uh, there'll be a, there'll be some drinks to have afterwards too. So it'd just be a nice day. Anybody wants to come just talk cows and, and check out the program. They're, they're more than welcome. Perfect. So Indian River on Saturday, April the 2nd at 2 o'clock is uh, the source for quality bull sale and females as well. We'd like to thank today's guests, Billy and Winita Elmhurst of Indian River Cattle Company. It's been both an education and enjoyable hearing their story. Thanks to our sponsor, CareSmith Creative. CareSmith Creative is an extremely talented graphic design individual who can assist you with all your design ideas for logos, ads, and social media creations. Look him up at caresmithcreations.com or send him an email to caresmithcreations at gmail.com. I'd like to thank Care for helping me in designing my logo. Thanks to my listeners. Please subscribe to whichever platform you're listening to. I'd love for you to leave me a comment on what you thought of the show and if you have any suggestions for future guests to spotlight. I appreciate you listening and I'm so glad to have met you all here on our first episode of the Red Ribbon Cattle Pod podcast. Until next time, I'll say goodbye and take care, and we'll talk again soon.